Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger, and today we are going to be covering uh, authentication, authorization, that sort of stuff within Angular applications. Should be a pretty good show. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, before we get started today, I want to remind everybody that NG Atlanta is still selling tickets for that conference coming up uh, January 30th through February 2nd in 2018, so next year, start of next year. Uh, down in Atlanta, uh, amazing speaker lineup. Uh, there's gonna be some Angular folks there. All our people that we know in the community are gonna be talking there. It's gonna be a great show, uh, great um, conference. And you can get a discount code using Angular Air. Uh, I think it's a 10% discount. And they may still be selling early bird tickets. I don't know, check them out on their site, ng-atl.org. And again, um, get to that conference. Join us out there, a lot of us are gonna be there, so it should be fun. All right, joining us as panelists today, we've got Mike Brocky. Mike, what's going on? Not too much. I was getting really worried because my internet connection kind of uh, faltered there while you were giving your intro. I was like, oh no, come back before Justin's done. But <laughs> I'm back, I'm here, so we're good. All right, all right, that's, that's important. All right, and our guest today, we got Eunice joining us. Eunice, how's it going? Amazingly fine. My connection seems to work for a moment. All right. Well, that's good. That's everybody's connected, so that's positive. <laughs> Hopefully, it stays stable for the next fifty-six minutes or whatever. So, all right, what do we got going on today, Eunice? Why don't you uh, tell our viewers a little bit about yourself before we get so, started? So, um, I'm Eunice from Wishtack, and we're on Wishtack.com. Um, it's actually it's a social shopping platform, and it's about like uh, wish lists and crowdfunding and things like this. And the idea is that we're two in the company for the moment and we are working it some, want to keep it bootstrapped somewhat like, uh, I don't know if you know about the Basecamp guys and their book rework. So it's quite the same thing, except that we're not millionaires yet. <laughs> and besides this, we, we do a lot of Angular, cloud stuff and rest apis and security because i've i've been like working for 10 years in web development and it security so while web developing when i got tired of it i was like going back to security and once you do a lot of security you get tired of it and you want to create stuff instead of breaking it so and so that's the point and uh, we do a lot of uh, trainings and coachings uh, around France and Europe in general. Um, so it's mainly TypeScript, JavaScript, uh, Angular trainings, and Python, by the way, <laughs> Mike. <laughs> and yeah, and security. So uh, there's uh, one point about security, which is not covered a lot today and it's mainly about like uh, rest apis mm, we talk a lot about OWASP top 10 i don't know if you know about it like it's the top 10 of the main uh attack vectors that your top 10 of the vulnerabilities that most apps have and uh this well last month i think yeah the new OWASP Top 10 has been published, but it's still a little bit vague about like uh, REST APIs and stuff. And there's another point, we'll cover it 
later about like JWT tokens because like a lot of people are using them today because it's fun, it's easy to use, it's powerful and everything. But uh, I mean, JWT tokens are fine. There's no um, vulnerability or anything today, but uh, it has to be done correctly. So we need like key rotations and things like this. And so today we'll be talking about uh, how to implement like authentication on the front side on Angular because like most of the time, like most um, trainings and everything we cover uh, the hello world application and we teach people how to create their first app. And there are many things about like animations and cool things like this, but authentication is always forgotten. So thought it could be interesting to cover it today. So that's the point. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a lot of us end up doing that, right? A lot of applications that we build have authentication or some layer of that involved. So it's it's one of those key slices that we need to bite off and do. And and like you said, I mean, we we need more content around that and guidance <laughs> and and patterns and stuff like that. Especially when you're talking about it, it sounds like so we're going to be covering kind of the Angular side, talking to a REST API, which is probably a, a pretty common thing that a lot of people are are doing out there to get their data, right? And then to authenticate ac access to that data and stuff like that. So it should be cool. Looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah, it's kind of fun. <laughs> Hope so. <laughs> okay. Cool. So, um, all right. You want to you want to dive into it? So get started here. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Let's do it. No questions. Okay. So the first thing is about um, the difference between identification, authentication, and authorization. And most of the time, we mix the whole thing and just send credentials. We get a token, and we call it authentication and authorization, or we just call it auth. So <laughs> it's a mix of the, of both. And it's the main problem actually with OOTs too, because it's an authorization uh, protocol. It's not. It has nothing to do with authentication, but we all use it for authentication. <laughs> so that's why today uh, we uh, there's an, a lot of stuff going on around OpenID Connect, which uh, which sounds really interesting. And by the way, we have a blog. Uh, I, I think we, we can share links later, maybe on the video. So we'll share the blog, uh, our blog that uh because we have our uh, a post there about all open ID connect and everything because we don't have much time to cover it right now. And so the main thing, uh, just to summarize a little, uh, is about like identification. When you identify someone, it's just like someone who says, hi, I'm Justin and, and I just believe him. There's no, I, there's no way of verifying that it's the right person. And then we have authentication, but most of the time, we, we mix identification and authentication because we send credentials and then we check in our database or something. We're like, oh, okay, these are this guy's credentials, so I know who it is. But uh, we can split the both concepts. Uh, like, uh, you know, Facebook API has this, uh, what they call, I don't remember how they call it, by the way, it's anonymous, anonymous sign-in. Did you, did you ever meet this button, by the way? Because it's been released like two years ago or something, but no application is using it. <laughs> so it's an interesting feature that allows you to authenticate using Facebook, but without sharing any information about you. So you can discover the application and then 
once you're like familiar with the application and you trust it, then you can share your information. So at that step, we have authentication without identification. Then we can get the information later. And authorization is another thing. It's like we give some credentials to someone, like a token or like client certificate or something or JWT. And we, when we get these credentials, we're not authenticating the user. We're not trying to get to know which user it is or anything. We just know that this token allows us to grab this data and the, gives us these permissions. We can read, we can write, we can do things like this. Just typically like, you know, like Google Drive when you when you have this like, uh, when you share a URL and you allow people with this URL to edit or just read documents and things like this. Uh, so that's the main concept, main difference between the three concepts. So the other point about JWT, uh, for those who are not familiar with it. So JWT is based on what we call JOSE, J-O-S-E. So it's like, uh, I don't remember how many protocols are there there, but it's about like serializing keys, like uh, symmetric and asymmetric keys in JSON, and it's called JWK. JWS is about signature. JWE is about encryption. It's just a new format for exchanging data because like for, for a lot of years, we've been playing with PEM formats and base 64 files and things like this. And now the idea is to have like JSON files so we can, we can send them through posts to HTTP posts. We can store them in NoSQL databases or anything. So that's very interesting. But the problem is <laughs> that they're not, they're not uh, always used as they should because the main the, the first issue is that like most people are using uh the hs256 algorithm which means it's uh hash mac with sha uh 256 so and we call this signature but it's not signature just we authenticate the message because like the sender and the receiver they have the same key so we can't know which one of them did create this uh, message. But when we use like privates and public keys, then we have like asymmetric uh, cryptography and we have signature. So we know exactly who signed the message. And the other problem is about key rotation. You know, like today when you have like an HTTPS website, you have like your certificates on it and like banks and big organization like this, or uh, they store the keys in what we call HSM, HSMs, like uh, cryptographic hardware. Like if you shake it, it just removes the keys. <laughs> and things like this happen, like you just move next to it and you break the whole server. Anyway, <laughs> so that's the whole secret to put uh, on HTTPS. And when we have a certificate, in general, we'll keep it like for one year or something. So there is a rotation. And if someone steals your key, what happens? He has to, to create a server somewhere and do some man in the middle. So maybe by DNS cache poisoning or by ARP spoofing through Wi-Fi in a hotel or something. So it keeps local. It's, it's not general. It's really hard today to just steal a key, not get noticed, and reroute the whole planet to your server. I mean, it's quite technical. But if you lose your JWT keys, 
you're screwed because your keys, most of the time, they're most of the time, like when we have HTTPS servers, we we put the we put the keys on like some proxies, things like CloudFront or anything. So even if our server is broken, you cannot find the keys on them. But JWT keys, most of the times, are in file systems, memory. Um, what do we have? Environment variables. Source code sometimes, <laughs> and because someone did fork the boilerplate, <laughs> and that's it. Um, so if someone steals this key, what happens? He can create tokens for any user he wants. So he can access all the data, and he can send requests from any server, any IP address from the planet. So it's really hard to monitor. It's really hard to detect, and he can steal all the data he wants. You can modify all the data he wants. So, so that's the problem with JWT tokens. So it needs monitoring. Uh, we need to have like multiple keys. If you have like millions of users, you don't want to give them uh, tokens which are signed with the same key. You want to have like some tens or hundreds of keys. And so if some key gets stolen or something, it's not impacting the whole planet. And you need some rotation. For example, I've been monitoring Google for a while, and I still don't understand the rotation algorithm because like, some keys are there for three days, and sometimes they are there for six days or something. And, but in the average, it's around three days. So you have like three or four keys for there, and then they change like every day you have a new key and an old one that disappears. So, and that makes JWT really hard to set up, actually. <laughs> so that's the problem with JWT. Um, so is it, um, I mean, I think people gravitate towards JWTs because it seems like it's an easy, good fit for, especially in an Angular app, you get a JWT, you pass it as the, the bearer header, um, you can store it in your Angular application, you can store it in storage, yeah. and it's kind of like easy to work with at that point with authentication and authorization. Um, is that something that we should be steering away from, or are you kind of saying that, there's a way to do it. We just need to be aware of a, a better way to do it, or possibly these other issues, uh, these I, other paths. Actually, it doesn't change anything because, like today in the demo, we're going to see I'll be using a token, which is just a random string I'm generating in my Python API, and I just grab it, I put it in my local storage, and I send it through the authorization header. So just works the same. But I cannot read inside it and see the expiration date and things like this. But um, even like if you have a JWT, and even if it has an expiration date, it doesn't mean it will work. It can be rejected by the server for some reason because the, 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 the encryption key, the signing key has changed or something. So basically, in an Angular app, it won't change anything. The idea of JWT is more about the server not having to check the token in the database just check, checks the signature and says, OK, I believe it. But the problem with this is that you cannot uh, remove a token. You cannot revocate a token. You cannot make it expire. You don't check stuff in the database. But you can store another, like some ID or something in the database or some flag. And then every time you have like a token, you check in the database. But then you lose all the benefits of JWT. So that's, that's the thing with JWT. So, but the problem is, like, uh, I'm like next week or something. I'm throwing a talk in Lyon, and I've started 
uh, a poll about like the JWT usage. And the problem is that like most people are using like uh, are using symmetry um, HS two hundred fifty six. They're not using symmetric keys. Nobody's using rot key rotation. Uh, keys are in the code or somewhere, so you can find them. So that's the problem. So I think we should maybe uh, dive a little in the code now. So I'm going to share my screen with you if you're ready, if you don't have any other questions. <laughs> OK, let's go. Oh, ready. Sorry, screen. Sorry, I'm looking for the right screen to share. OK, can you see it? Yep. Perfect. So, well, it might look scary, <laughs> but we'll be using some reactive programming here. Uh, personally, I'm not using Redux here or any or similar implementation uh, because I'd rather use RxJS with behavior subjects because um, it, has, it has some advantages because the problem, personally, the problem I have with uh, Redux, Redux and uh, NGRX is, um, is this uh, dispatch function, which is not typed. Uh, like, I don't like the idea of like, just throwing a key and having some random variable there. So we lose all the benefit from TypeScript. Or m maybe I missed something. I don't know. But I think that's the problem with Redux in general. We lose all the typing logic. And observables are just awesome. So we just play with this. So the idea is we, we have an application with a to-do list that just components for the moment just sends a request to the to the server using a service which I call to do store uh, and now we're going to create a login component which is going to be on another route so users who try to get to the to their to do list they will be redirected to the login page if they're not authenticated and once they are authenticated again they can go back to the to do list so the idea is when we log in here I'm going to call a server a service called authenticator, okay? And I'm going to call a method called login that will grab the credentials like username and password and it will try to grab a token from the API. Okay? But maybe we could have like another authenticator later. Like this one is like password authenticator, but we can implement a second authenticator, which would be like O2 authenticator or something that can handle all the redirection and everything. So that's a nice way to separate responsibilities. Um, so here I'm going to create a token. Is, is it zoomed in enough or is it better here? Like here? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, so. Okay, great. So, uh, for creating tokens, I always use uh, the same resource. So that, that's about REST APIs. Like uh, most of the time, I see things like post tokens slash create or something, and it's not very restful. <laughs> so personally, I always use like post tokens, which means, please, Mr. API, can you create a token for me? And I'm going to send you some object with a type. 
and the type would be like password or something, and it would contain username and password. And with RESTful APIs, we can use polymorphism. So we can send to the same resource different types of data. So I can send a password, or I can send the OAT2 code or something, or an OpenID Connect code, and by using the same resource. And then on the API side, then we can reroute stuff depending on the data we get. And we will respond with the token, but we might respond with additional data. Like we can give the token, we can give like the, the user ID. If we don't have a JWT that contains the data, we can we can have some addition. We can give some additional data to the user, uh, so he can to the application, so it can redirect the user to the right page, to his home page, to his personal home page, or things like this. Uh, because later I'm gonna grab the users to-do list, and it's going to be on users slash user ID slash to-dos. I don't, I don't want to be using to-dos directly or to users slash current slash to-dos, because it's break the, it breaks the RESTful logic. So I have a quick question about that, then. Um, so if you have something, I guess in this scenario here, to-dos are always a user's to-dos, right? You don't have mm -hmm. uh, globally accessible to do sort of thing. But what if you did have some data that's like, okay, customers and, and every person could see these customers, but only certain customers are viewable to other users. Would yeah. you say at that point, your uh, resource for your rest would be customers and then you'd provide the authorization stuff through, you know, the uh, token pass or is that it? Exactly. Yeah. If it's not about, like, for example, if I sign in, then I want to see the customers of the company I work in. Okay. So it's going to be like uh, slash companies, slash company ID, slash customers. Or if you don't want to make it deep like this, uh, you can use slash customers and filter with a query string, depending on your kind of standard you're using and then filter by company ID or company ID list or things like this or just customers with first name starts in with a and things like this um, so it's not related to me so I'm not gonna put my user ID in the URL so now I need the user ID because it's, I'm trying to access like some personal data so and we you always have some personal data because you have like you will have some root like slash user slash user ID slash settings or something like this. It's the users settings lists or something like that. And then um, real quick on like how concerned should we be? Are we being like too paranoid or or not? It, having that user ID in the URL. Uh, so let's say we have users of our application that tend to copy paste links all the time and, and are not mm. aware of it. And they may share that link with that user ID. I mean, obviously we have security checks to make sure that somebody else who's not authenticated or authorized can hit it, but we are exposing the user ID. Is that something yeah. we're just being too cautious about or should we think mm. about that? That's, 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 that's real big deal because things have changed. And like before the, all the thing about RESTful APIs, we were always trying to hide user IDs. And in the OS top 10, we had 2013, we had the fourth point, which was about, I think, it was, which was about indirect uh, reference uh, to objects. So we didn't want to share like direct IDs, direct 
resources IDs to publicly. So we will always like trying to map things and give like a special ID per user and things like that. But uh, and. For example, if you wanted to get like the users to dos, you want you won't go to the to do directly by going to slash to do slash the the ID of the to do. You will have like an index or something depending on the current user. But that was stateful, and now we want stateless stuff. So we want a URL that works for everyone. But the problem is that actually uh, you will you will want it, this ID to be random because and unpredictable uh, you don't want to use bison IDs because uh, you can be brute forced and we can know how many users you have or how many bank accounts you have and or if the bank accounts exist and things like this so we might uh, reveal some information or we can cheat by sending responses like 404 instead of 403 to avoid this kind of things um, but the problem today is, for example, if uh, before all the RESTful APIs, if you were not connected and you didn't have a cookie or anything, and you just go on a website and you go to like slash accounts or something, you just get nothing. But today, if your authorization is broken on the API, I can just take your ID and go on the website and go on the API and I can grab the information. And that's that's uh, a point which should be covered by unit tests, actually. You should unit test all your API uh, routes. And we personally do this on Wishtag. And every route is uh, accessed by the unit tests with uh, different authorizations. So, for example, I try to visit my wishlist and I try to visit your wishlist, but you're, we're not friends, so I cannot see it. So we try all these combinations because permissions are in like modern APIs in the back end. Like if you see the source code of our Python API, you'll notice that we have uh, we, we only define the permission like guards in Angular. It's only one line. So if someday someone just by refactoring or something breaks this line, which happened to me, <laughs> it, it should break the unit test. So I was lucky I had a unit test covering this. But if I didn't have it, I wouldn't have any error, anything, until the day someone is just breaking the API. So that's very, very, very important. That, so that's the risk today with REST APIs. So we have to monitor stuff and, and unit test our APIs. OK? Yep. <laughs> is it? Cool. Yes. Thank you. Does it make sense? OK, great. So to continue this, like now the authenticator has a token. But my, uh, so that's another point about Angular. Personally, I try to separate the services in two kinds. There are stateful services and stateless services. Okay. Why I need this? Uh, and you probably already guessed, it's about lazy loading and uh, the double injector, things like this. So if you load a module, if we have this authenticator in a module, and I have my app that loads this module, and my app also loads like a lazy loaded module that loads the authenticator module, I will end up with two 
instances of this service. So that's a common issue with Angular. So for all our states, for, for a stateless service, it's not a big deal. Like for an HTTP service, I mean, you, don't, you have two instances. OK, slight memory leak, no big deal. But if it's a stateful service, like the session service we'll see later that will contain all my session information, then might have some problems. So we'll see this, this later, but we'll be using the for root trick. So to load the provider only for the, the app module, the root app component. Does it make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, I think it's an important point, right? Like, so that maybe it's just real quick recap of that for people to be aware of. Um, you know, you bootstrap your Angular application and yep. anything that comes with that ng module and you bootstrap it, these providers, they're created once, they're a singleton, they're available across the entire thing, right? Exactly. And lazy load modules, it's going to create providers that come with those modules, new those up at the point that it's lazy loaded, right? Exactly. So now you've got multiple potential multiple instances. And so if you're storing state in one of those services, so if the service class has a class field on it that keeps data inside of it, now and you have two of them, now you have a problem, right? Um, exactly. So yep. those are the things we need to think about in terms of not only lazy loading, but also in this scenario here. So, yep. Yep. Because at the beginning, I'm not using lazy loading, but someday some guy will come here and will, he'll add the lazy loading. But it's still going to work because he didn't load the module. But then someone will see that the module was not unit tested, and the unit test will not work because the module was not loading the dependency. So he'll add the module. And the unit tests will work, and everything will seem to work. But then you will have different behaviors in different zones of your app. So, OK, I see you smiling. So <laughs> I think you, you met this kind of situations. <laughs> of oh, yeah. course. Yeah, but, that, yeah. but that's why you have other levels of testing. It's not just unit testing where everything works on its own, but also exactly. integration tests where everything works exactly. together. Exactly. And to end test, too. Oh, OK. I have an app that it's not the moment. It's not right. <laughs> yeah, so I think the takeaway there really quick is that, you know, everybody needs to really understand that provider logic and what happens with ng modules and providers. Like get a good mm. grasp on that if you don't have that already, um, because it's it's certainly going to become something that comes up throughout your development cycle and Angular applications. Yeah. And we'll see this later with the code with this ng for root thingy. So and the implementation of this, because it's quite tricky, by the way. <laughs> it's not easy to guess. OK, so we, we authenticated the user, and we have a token now, but we want to keep it somewhere. And we don't want to use a global variable or anything like this. So we're going to use a service. And this service will be central. It's going to be, it's going to be called session. I'm going to call this service, uh, I'm going to call it session. And it's typically. Uh, uh, Redux store actually. <laughs> um, so I'm going to update the session. I'm going to tell the session that I have new data for it. I have a new token. I have a new user ID, new stuff. And this session will contain an observable, okay, which will be particularly a behavior subject. And we'll see the difference because behavior subject is uh, like a, um, uh, an exception of observables. It's some kind of observables. And so any component, like here I have the app component, which is the root component, can subscribe to this session. And every time the session changes, 
he will be noticed. He will be notified, and the app can then decide to I don't know redirect the user, display uh, a sign out button or not. Other components can decide to do something else, and every component can change the behavior. For example, if you go on WishTag, you can see that you're not signed in, and then when you sign in, like all the components just start changing their behavior. I don't have like a, a big component that decides of everything or servers that knows the whole logic. Every component knows his logic and waits for a signal from the session to know what it should do. Um, so just propagating the information. Um, and by the way, uh, well, we'll talk about guards later, yeah. And here I have this optional uh, point uh, it's uh, synchronization, and I synchronize the session with the local storage. And we'll see later, it's, uh, the arrow goes on both sides because when the local storage changes, it can send a notification to my application. And this is very interesting because when you, you're signed in on an application and you have two windows open because you're always open new tabs on the same application and you sign out, you know this weird situation where you sign out on one one window, then you go on the other window, then you start act, uh, clicking buttons and then everything breaks. So the local storage, when you change the local storage, it will send an event to the whole other windows. And it has nothing to do with Angular. It's just like a basic feature in every modern browser. <laughs> and uh, the session will we'll get notified and it will propagate the information to the application. So we will sign out on one window and all the other windows will sign out. We will sign in on one window and all the other windows will be signed in. So that's easy. It takes like five lines to do and it changes everything just because our whole application is based on this session object. But by the way, we should always be careful with kind of services because we don't want to put all your data in this service. <laughs> because most of the time, like the session becomes the whole state of the application and you don't want to do this kind of things. Um, so that local storage trick right there that you're doing or, or that approach is really cool. I like that. Um, <laughs> so one of the and one of the reasons why we're you want to store that in local storage, I'm assuming, is because we're in a web application that a user could refresh their browser, right? Exactly. And so and we're not storing like a session cookie or anything like that. So we need to rehydrate exactly. that app when it reloads essentially with that. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. So we, we have we have multiple choices for this. And um, there is the we can use the indexed DB, but it's not I implemented on all browsers for the moment. Local storage works fine everywhere. Session storage is fine, but the problem with the session storage is that it only works on one window. So if you close the window and open another one, it's broken. So we don't use it much for this kind of situations. So local storage is fine. Uh, and you definitely don't want to use the cookie because uh, I'm sorry, but we don't have much time to talk about like cookies and course rules and CSRF. But the only thing that I will say is that cookies are evil. They're watching you. <laughs> so don't use cookies for authentication. I mean, you can use cookies for tracking or anything, I don't know, mar marketing, <laughs> and, but not for authentication. <laughs> so um, it's really bad because uh, we can, like, it's complicated to summary in like one line, but uh, an attacker can just make you go to 
on another website and this website you open it on your browser and it runs some javascript and it actually doesn't even have to run javascript and it will send requests to uh, your application using your cookie and grab your data or modify your data and there are so many tricks using the cookie where even if you think that your course rules are fine we can play with the content type. So be careful with your APIs. You should only accept the application JSON content type. If you accept URL form or things like this, it might be dangerous. So this is covered in my blog, so you can see this. Um, the only problem with local storage is that uh, it doesn't expire. It doesn't expire, so uh, except on Firefox, where there's this non-standard feature. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, where you can set an expiration date. And I never used it, but they say it works. <laughs> and the problem with the local storage is that like, if, if the user si clicks on sign out button, you're still in the application. You can decide to clean up the local storage. But, but if it just shuts down the browser or something, your token is still there. So you should always think about like expiring your tokens quite, uh, give them like a short lifetime. And uh, when the user signs out, think also about sending a request to the API, like delete slash token slash the ID of the token or something uh, to just make the token expire even on the database, on the API side. Um, and never store like critical information in the local storage or personal information. And if you do so, if you need that for performance or something, we're so, we're talking, we are talking about browsers here. We're not talking about mobile apps where there are other ways of doing storing stuff securely. But if you store in the local storage, you can use some libraries that encrypt the data. But the problem with encryption is that you need a key. <laughs> so, if you really need to store data in the local storage, some personal data and encrypt it, then try to encrypt it using the key that is given by the API. So you send a request to the server and say, okay, I have this token. Can you give me my encryption key? Gives you the encryption key. You decrypt the local storage. You can use your data. So that's kind of things we can do. We can use for like for performance, even though we lose this um, round trip with the server and it will not work if we're offline. So anyway, that's the, the thing about security. And so now the session has the token and it's stored there. So session is a singleton that our whole app will be using. But now the user is redirected for some reason to the to the to-do list. And the to-do list uh, wants to wants to grab the to-do list of the current user. So just have has to ask the session. Oh, do you know the user ID? Can you give it to me? So because I want to grab his data. It can also use the session observable to watch the user ID change. And every time the user ID changes, it can update the to-do list. And then uh, we will send a request using the to-do store to the API. But here, we're not using the HTTP service. So some, so that you should be very careful with this because like some, uh, in some examples, we can see in Angular, and also it was a common mistake in AngularJS. Uh, it was, um, the trick was to set the token in the headers uh, directly in the HTTP service. 
For example, in AngularJS, if I remember, it was like with the, the HTTP service, you could, you could set like the headers globally. And with Angular, you could just create a new provider for request options. So that's a trick where every instance of the HTTP service will have the same uh, request options, including the authorization header and things like that. Uh, so you definitely don't want to do this because, I mean, if you if your app is small and you you are planning to kill it like in one year or two and you don't want to make it go big, then it's fine because you will you will interact with only one API. But today, most API most applications will interact with multiple APIs directly. You want you might want to I don't know use Angular and go grab some data from your API, then go grab some data from another provider or anything. And if you're using Angular, you'll be using your HTTP service here, which is which contains your which always sends your authorization token. And you'll be sending your own APIs token to another provider. And I mean there's a leak there and it's quite critical. So, so do you know anything about the new HTTP provider? Uh, and with the concept of supporting like the interceptors concept that we had in AngularJS, and is that something that could be solved with there where you use the one and use an interceptor type approach to switch what that header information is? Yeah, but still the problem with the interceptor is that it might still be a little bit hacky because uh, your interceptor will have to contain all the rules about which domain I should send the tokens to and everything, you see? And for example, here I'm using the token store. For some requests, I'm using, I'm sending the request without the authorization token. But for some other requests, I'll be using the authorization token. So as a service, as the token store, I want to decide. And guess why? Because when I post a token, when I ask the server to create a token, I don't want to use my authorization header because on the API, it will see that my my authorization token is not valid and I wouldn't be able to create a new token. So this request doesn't need the header. But when I want to delete the token, I will send a delete request and then I will have to send the token in my header. You see? So sometimes you want to do it. Sometimes you don't want to do it. Sometimes you want to, I don't know, you might want to send the same store, might want to send a request without with two different tokens. Like, for example, you know, when you have like, uh, we have this with like services like uh, Google where you have two users at the same time. I'm signed in with my personal user ID and my professional user ID. And I would love to have like the same Angular app with like two tabs with my personal data on the left, my professional data on the right. I mean, how do you want to handle this uh, with interceptors? So I'm just, maybe maybe I'm going too far, but why would we want to restrict our application from the beginning? <laughs> no, 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 I like it. That's why I asked it. Um, <laughs> have that clarification of why, what the benefit is there. So that's it's good. Thank you. No, it's fine. And for the moment here, I only have one service, which is called Auth HTTP that sends the authorization header every time I use it, but we could use an authorization HTTP, an Auth HTTP factory, and in every store, every component, I could ask the factory to create a service that sends this user's token or this user's token, so I can do whatever I want. I can even send both of them and mix both observables and tricky stuff like this. Okay, is that fine?
So maybe some live coding now because we don't have much time. But concept's quite complicated. So, so here um, in this application, where I only have like my uh, wish list, my uh, to do list. Oh, sorry, <laughs> my to do list where I want to learn some stuff. And um, here I'm gonna go to my app. And by the way, I'm just creating some modules. Like I want to create a login module with the login components. And personally, um, I don't use the CLI for creating modules. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. There's well, first of all, there's no re reason to apologize. Create, <laughs> you work how you want to work. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, I get it. So. That's why, because there's this thing about, um, uh, there's one point to, about the Angular CLI is here I want to customize my imports and because I have a shared model and I don't want to load the common model, I want to load shared model. And the other thing is I always use this trick, which might look weird, because I always want to export my components. Because I, I love like modules that share all their components, files that share all their classes. You know, like I had this this issue with Angular One. I was trying to do some tricky stuff, and I wanted this little function in the compiler, and I couldn't grab it because it was in the in the closure, <laughs> so it was quite super private. So here, I always have like this static uh, property where I put my components, and so they're automatically declared and exported. So I never forget uh, to export them, and then. Uh, I'm going to grab my, I'm going to create a login component. And sorry, my computer is quite slow. And I'm going to grab the source code for the template to win some time here. Actually, I'm going to grab the whole component to make it a little bit. Okay. Uh, so here, as you can see, um, I have this authenticator. I'm using my authenticator. Uh, I'm asking for the inje injection of the authenticator. And when the user clicks on the login button, uh, I just send the credentials. I'm using the class called credentials. And I subscribe to this observable to grab the, the success of this operation. And actually, it's the next value, but it has only one value. And then I redirect the user to the post login default route, which is the to-dos page. Why would I do this? Because I have uh, also a service called configuration here, config. And I use this trick where in my index HTML, I love to customize my application dynamically in runtime. So I put my configuration in some obscure variable like this with the APA base URL and things like that. And then I have this service that wraps this variable. I never use it directly. I like using classes. So I have this instance, and I can grab the API. And it's not up to date. So shared model, I guess. Oh. 
You know what? I'm going to grab the whole. I'm going to grab the whole solution. Ah. So, right. Mike, that um, that thing with the module stuff that Eunice wants to do, is that something that's going to be solved with uh, our custom generators coming down the pipe <laughs> at some point? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something that I am actively working on. Um, my eyes got distracted a little bit earlier when I was having connection issues over to my other screen where I'm actively working on that. So that is coming down the pipeline. Awesome. So as you can see here, um, grabbing my configuration, and I'm configuring here like which routes I should use for login, which routes, which routes I should use for to-dos. Then this goes to my authenticator here. And as you can see, I'm just doing the login here. And I'm asking the token store to create uh, a token using the credentials. As you can see here, I love using named parameters. <laughs> Um, and here, as a side effect with the observables, I uh, decide to, every time I get a response, to update the session with this data. I send this data to the session. So how does it work in the session? So the session has this nice object, which is instantiated at the beginning, which is called the behavior subject. And the behavior subject is an observable with all the operators we can have with an observable, uh, the filter, the map, and everything. And uh, in addition to this, it has uh, oh, sorry, uh, it has this uh, get value method that allows you to check what's inside this behavior subject because it always has a state. Actually, the behavior subject. Every time I grab a new data using the update state, I call the next method on the observable. And every time someone subscribes to this observable, it will get the last value available. So you always have a value. And then I have this methods where, because my observable is an infinite observable, it can pop values like every time the session changes. So I'll always grab just the first value and I want just to get the last token or the last user ID. So that's what my components are using. And any component, any service can, but we'll try to avoid uh, using this everywhere. Every, in every place in our Angular application, we can decide to update the state like this. And so just give the value. And he, here I'm using assign because I'm, I'm trying to respect the immutability of the, of the state. And as you can see here, every time the state is updated, I store it in the local storage. And when the app starts, and the first time this session service is uh, injected, I'm calling initialize state, and I'm grabbing the state from the local storage. And concerning the double window thing, you just I just have to add the listener to the local storage change. And every time the local storage is changed, I load the data. 
in the state and it's it will be propagated to my whole application and in the elf module here I'm using this trick so for that's what we were talking about at the beginning so it's uh, the I'm not, as you can see here, I'm not putting the session in the module providers because I don't want to be, I, I don't want it to be injected in the root injector and in another injector, like the injector that will be created by the lazy loading. So I want to explicitly load it once. So that's the syntax for this that will load the module with this provider. And you might be used to this as you can see here, app module is my root module, and it's loading my auth module, but not directly. It's using the for root method. So that's what you can see in Angular material and Angular router and Angular itself. So it's like a common pattern, and you can even customize it here uh, when you have some customizations to do. And as you can see, I'm all also using it for my configuration module because I only want to have one configuration service uh, because it might be stateful uh, later. So there are other tricks here. I'm going to go directly to the last version. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but times, I think I talk a lot. So <laughs> next time I will unplug my mic. Sorry for that. <laughs> no worries, it's all good. The yeah, explanation is very good for uh, your animate. And so, so I'm going to just show some some you know, the tricky parts here because all the source code is on GitHub, but the tricky parts are in this out HTTP service. So here it's tricky because I didn't want to implement the whole methods like one by one, and I didn't want in to inherit from HTTP service, which I could have done. I could uh, I could uh, I could have made all HTTP uh, child of HTTP service and just override the requests method, which is used by, by all the methods. But this is the way HTTP service works today. But I don't know how it's going to change tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm just wrapping the methods I'm using. So that's more because I, I personally come from extreme programming and extreme programming, usually we don't do this. You only implement the methods you're using. <laughs> so, but here the trick is just um, manually decorating the methods. And the trick is that every time, uh, so it's quite dirty, but I admit, but I, every time you're sending a request with this service, you're grabbing the token from the session service, then you're sending, you're adding the token in the header, the right header. Here I'm adding it as a bear in the authorization header and the token key is the bearer and things like this, which can come from the configuration, things like this. And the configuration come, can come from the, you know, the variable object I put in my index HTML, which can be generated by the server. So the server can control the header directly for your app. And then I also have this trick here and this is a method I call um, when I decorate uh, my uh, HTTP calls. And I grab all the headers using the catch operator. And up, oh, oh, there's quite some line here. So every time I have an error, and here I'm just checking if the status is 401, which means 
we should use 401 for this situation. We don't use 403 in general, which means the token expired. The token is now, um, I mean, the token is not valid and the user should authenticate. 403 means, oh, your token, token looks good, but you're not allowed to, to get here. And when I get this, or maybe I could send a special response with some JSON. I mean, 401s can contain data and we can send some formatted data for the application. And here, look, I'm just updating the state and giving it an empty session state object and it will propagate the information in my whole application. And here's the demo here, truebar 104. Thanks. And as you can see, I have this sign out. The sign out button is in my app component. So I'm playing with observables here. So I'm just grabbing the state and mapping the state and grabbing the is signed in information and putting it in an observable. The dollar suffix is commonly used for observables. So the call is not made here, but it's made in the HTML. So you should always be careful with async operator because it's really awesome because it cleans up your subscriptions and everything. But if you use it twice on the same variable, it's going to subscribe twice. So if it's an HTTP request, it will send HTTP request twice. So you should be careful with this. And as you can see here, I just click on the sign out. The sign out button will update the session. The session will, comes, will come back to the application with a notification telling that the session has changed. And that's it. And now the last thing, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> this is quite quick. But the last thing is, are you tired of uh, uh, unsubscribing from observables in your uh, in gdestroy? Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. So I, I was tired from this. So I made this live template like I always do. It's called subscription garbage collector. <laughs> okay. And it's actually a property I create here. And it's an instance of this class. I, I put in this project. It's not uh, it's not um, an Angular module yet, but I think I will release it. And you can optionally give it a component here as an option. I give it my own component, and every time I subscribe to something, I give it to the subscription garbage collector, and the subscription garbage collector will implement the ng on this drive for you because you gave it the instance of the component. And if ng-on-destroy is already there, it will just decorate it. So it will not break stuff. And the interesting thing is that there is this, as you can see, there is this optional parameter, which is called key. And you, give the, you can give the subscription a key. What does that mean? If I log in, for example, imagine I'm searching for something on a, on a store. So I'm entering a query and then sending my, research, my, my query. It will send an HTTP request, so I'm going to subscribe. But then imagine I still don't have the response and I'm running another search. If I run another search, I will have two HTTP requests simultaneously and I will be still subscribed to the other observable. So I have to unsubscribe before subscribing. But if you have a garbage collector instance and you subscribe to an observable and you put the subscription with the key, it will unsubscribe the previous subscription with the same key. So if I try to log in here, and for some reason, the server server is not responding. And I realized that I didn't type the right password. And I press Enter a second time. 
it will cancel the previous request and send a new one. And that sounds just tricky and everything, but it's very important because like I can see lots of apps just hanging because you have so many requests back there and collisions between uh, the responses that just mix up depending on the race conditions. <laughs> cool. Sorry, like <laughs> this was quite a lot of, inform of information in a few minutes, but <laughs> anyway, awesome. that is that so you have all this stuff up on a GitHub repo, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, the whole source code is there in different branches where you can see the progress. Uh, the first step is authentication, the second step is about guards, uh, the third is about the sign outs. Fourth is the window synchronization, as I told you before, with the local storage. And five is the token expiration. And that's it. Oh, and the other thing about the guards is that, personally, I not I don't use them much because, personally, my applications, I don't want to uh, I don't want to reject uh, the access to a component to a, a view or something. I let the users get to the view, but I you'll want to explain why he can't see the view, or you want to show him the same component, but with slightly some different data, like hiding some buttons and or things like this. So nice guards guards don't protect your application. They just about the user experience experience. There's nothing about security there. Cool. That's it. <laughs> Sorry for that. Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. So can you, uh, while we still got your screen share, can you pull up that repo so we can kind of see the, the URL for that real quick? And Oh, yeah. It's, um, um, can you see the URL? Can you see the? Yep. So it's on github.slash wishtag, and it's called WT, like wishtag, and Angular OS demo. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's that's where you got this repo for all the code that you're demoing and stuff. So people need to check that out and dive into that. Exactly. Um, and then you you mentioned a blog post earlier, your blog earlier, where you had some more. Yeah. And the blog will be here, and uh, it's uh, chat. It's a huge blog post about REST APIs, best practices, and security. So it's the whole history about REST APIs and how it's all started and all the standards and the security concerns. And it's also available in French, by the way. And so here you have all things about best practice. And then you have the whole part about REST API security. Yeah, because I always ask people if they if they have real REST API or Smurf APIs with special methods and blah, blah, blah. All these challenges, right, we face, especially in the uh, <laughs> authorization authentication stack. There's just so many. I mean, you illustrated it all throughout this talk today. There's so many facets and pieces that we need to be thinking about, concerned about, you know, all, all the way from authenticating the user to giving them resources to down to the local storage and multiple tabs. I mean, there's just so many things. So yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and and while auditing some applications and things like this, it's quite crazy because most of the time, like security comes later and it's not considered part of the minimum viable product. And we can you can see some applications with like critical information in the local storage or some critical data in the application. You just have to change some variables, and you have like the 
advanced administrative access or things like this. So be careful and really, it should be really clear uh, where things are uh, uh, managed by the server and when things are managed by the browser. So that's the common mistake is that like, especially if you're using Node.js and with like some junior developers, they at, by the end, they don't know if they're running the code in Angular or in Node or in MongoDB because it's just the same thing. It's just JavaScript. So just be careful with this and things should be fine. <laughs> cool. cool. All right, well, I guess we're at the top of the hour, so we better wrap it up. Um, let's get our picks in here real quick and then we'll call it a day. Um, Mike, uh, what do you got for picks? I've got a strange pick today. Um, my, I'm, my pick is just to be mindful about how you treat others, uh, especially online. Uh, you'll see a user on, especially on like GitHub, you see user one, two, three, and you just have to remember that there's actually a person behind that user ID. It's not just some random string, but there's people out there. So just be mindful that you're actually talking and communicating with other people that have feelings. Good pick. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right. Uh, my pick is Dave Geddes put out a new video uh, for building an Overwatch player picker using Flexbox and some other goodies like that. It's pretty cool. Um, so check that out. Uh, Eunice, you have some picks for us today? No, I had a lot. So I'm only keeping two if it's fine. <laughs> so the first one is uh, about Last week, I don't know if everybody heard about the Node.js security issue with hash tables and denial of service. So please update all your Node.js, uh, even on your machine. And because sometimes like the local version ends up on the server. And the other point is if you have time to see, uh, there's this YouTube video from the, uh, a company from Lyon, the same city as me, which is called uh, Core Experts, which was at the AWS Summit uh, a few weeks ago. And they made the, this crazy demonstration with Alexa and uh, image recognition and things like this. And by the way, if you're interested on um, this repo I've shared with you, like the Angular OS demonstration, uh, there's a branch here you can see, which is called Lex. <laughs> And actually, I'm trying to play a little bit with uh, Amazon Lex API, and I want to control this Angular application with my voice, <laughs> As, because I talk a lot and I code less. <laughs> That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> All right. Well, we better wrap it up. Hey, real quick before we go, Eunice, can you, uh, while well, you got your screen up there, you want to pull up your Twitter page so we, people, and give people your Twitter handle? With you or I got one page that contains everything I think I'll put even better <laughs> if it's if my browser works okay uh, as you can see here I have uh, it's called courses.wishtalk.com and it's all my trainings some are English some are in French there's some old stuff here and things like this and uh, let's just pick one. Oh, I don't know why the angular one disappeared and here you can have the keep in touch page. So you have all my Twitter, my GitHub. I don't use my personal GitHub. I put everything on the company. And oh, I also have some stuff on Plinker about like some Angular uh, demonstrations, things like this. Um, and the blog here where you can find the whole information. 
Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, all the information that you shared, the time you took, uh, very thankful. So thank you very much. Thank you for receiving me and thank you for your patience. <laughs> totally. Anytime. All right. That's a wrap. Great. We'll catch everybody next week. See ya. Bye.